We are in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5. Plan is to get through the first 10 verses, talk about those, and, and thank you for joining me. This is lesson number 8, and we are on chapter 5. We have been learning from this relationship between Paul and Timothy, and Paul is instructing and mentoring his young man, Timothy, who he calls uh, his son in the faith, his true son in the faith, and uh, I've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, also even preached out of 2 Timothy. That's been a book of focus for me over the past uh, few months, and so it's a great book, and it will teach us how to be leaders, and tonight what we're going to talk about, or at least begin the discussion of, is how to treat people in the church. The different groups, the elder men, the younger men, the elder women, the younger women. Uh, we'll talk about those and how Paul is telling Timothy how to treat those folks, how to honor them, how to respect them, how to treat them. That's knowledge that a young pastor needs, right? A young pastor needs to know how to, uh, to treat uh, his parishioners. So that's what we're going to go into tonight. Verse 1, let's read it. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers. So here Paul is directing and telling Timothy that generally not to rebuke older men because we're to respect them and to honor them. So he says don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him. As a father, we're going to talk about what exhorting means in a minute, but Timothy is trying to shepherd this church and shepherd them and do a good job of that. And he's, Paul's telling him, be careful with the older men. Presume that they're wise and that they have a lot to offer. How many knows that, you know, seemingly, at least hopefully, the older we get, the more wise we have the potential of being, right? And so that's what Paul is telling Timothy. And there's some scriptures besides this that Paul tells Timothy that in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, it says, You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God, for I am the Lord. So even in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, God is telling the people to honor uh, the older men, to fear the Lord. How many knows if God commands it, then we're to fear him and we're to obey, right? Uh, so that's what Paul is telling Timothy. And then in uh, Proverbs 16, 31, it says that silver head is a crown of glory. I don't know what it says about uh, a bald head, because that's more what I got, but anyway, I might have a few gray hairs, but says a silver head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. And that's Proverbs 16, 31. There's also another reason that Paul would tell Timothy to exhort rather than to rebuke. How many knows that we all take exhortation better than rebuking? So exhort rather than rebuke. Don't rebuke. The word rebuke here 
is not like it is found in other places in the Bible. The word rebuke means to strike at. So it doesn't mean to like strike at with your fist, but what it's talking about is attacking the older men with words. So he's saying, Timothy, don't attack an older man with your words, but treat them with respect uh, and that you'll go farther. How many knows that a little, a little honey goes a lot farther, right, than, than vinegar, right, in helping uh, people to get along? And so that's what Paul is telling Timothy. People in general, especially uh, older men, really don't receive rebuking very well. I guess, you know, the older you get, you feel like, well, I've been through that. I don't need somebody to tell me how to do it and what to do, right? Uh, that is uh, what we see here. Don't attack them. Don't strike at them. Don't rebuke them. There are times when a pastor has to rebuke people in his congregation. There really is. And so the Bible doesn't say pastor never rebuke anybody. But what he's saying here to Timothy is don't strike at them. Don't be overly harsh. Don't re rebuke them in this kind of manner. There are times that, you know, that a pastor will lovingly and hopefully gently lead the congregation and lead uh, the people to a path that he feels like the Lord is guiding the whole church to. So it's not that re never rebuking is, you know, is what Paul's telling Timothy, but I would say to keep it a minimum of rebuking, but also to exhort, which we'll talk about, to encourage. The main goal is to encourage someone to change their thinking, to change their behavior. Matter of fact, Titus, which is the next, after you hit 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, then you hit Titus, the book of Titus in chapter 2, verse 15, Paul tells Titus, who is another one of his protégés, he says, rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. So here, he's given Timothy some advice uh, he's not saying don't ever rebuke someone, but don't do it so harshly and don't especially be particularly careful with the older men in doing so. Here there are times that a rebuke may be necessary, but not in, a, in an attacking manner. But exhort him as a father. What does the word exhort mean? Just off the top of your head. You don't have to have a dictionary. Lift up. Okay. Exhort, anybody else? To exhort means to encourage, which is close to what you said, to do what needs to be done. So it's not just in general encouragement, but it's encouragement to do what needs to be done, to do what God has asked us to do, or to follow uh, in, in the path that God's called us to follow. So uh, here, Timothy, exhort him as a father. Look up to him, but encourage him to do the things that are right in the Lord. And then, how is he supposed to treat the younger men as brothers? You know, it's not unusual in the church that we call each other brothers and sisters. And people outside the church sometimes look at us like, that's kind of weird, you know. Because we're not 
biological brothers and sisters, or some may be here, uh, but we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Have that in common, and we're to treat them like a friend, like a brother, like a partner uh, that is working with us for the advancement of the gospel and to work with these younger men uh, in the church. Timothy's in charge. He's the pastor. He's taking over for Paul. And here Paul's saying to Timothy, work with these young men and the old men. How many knows we need both? We need the old men and the young men. We need the wisdom, the experience, all those things that being an older man would bring. And we also need the, the energy and the passion and the vitality of the young men for the church to do well. Uh, that, that's important. We need all of that. And a church that is balanced is a church that's healthy. So look at verse 2. In verse 2, he says a very similar thing about the women. Now, he doesn't talk about rebuking a woman here, but what he does say is older women treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with all purity. We're to honor and respect the older women as we would our mother. Hopefully, we do treat our mothers with honor and respect. Matter of fact, isn't that one of the commandments? It is to honor your parents that your days may be long upon the earth, right? Uh, I always thought maybe it's because they would beat you if you didn't honor them and you wouldn't live very long, but uh, it's actually, <laughs> I know that that's not true. I'm just joking. But the principle is that when we honor people, God's pleased with it. I think God gives us good life and long life. Uh, we're to honor them and to appreciate them and to accept the older women. And, you know, there's just something about older women that they like to mother people. They've done it all their life. And so I think what Paul's telling Timothy is you're going to have some mothers that will uh, some older women that will kind of act like your mama, but accept it and love them and appreciate them, right? Uh, so that's what he's telling them. And in the same way, he's saying you need to treat the younger women as sisters. Conduct yourself in a way that is pure, that is above reproach. One thing that I tell any of the staff here, especially our pastoral staff, children, youth pastors, different ones that we've had, and uh, Jason could attest to this, is that I've always said, don't have closed-door meetings, especially with a person of the opposite sex. Don't do that. All it takes is an accusation. It doesn't even have to be real, and then you're in trouble, Right? Uh, and the devil would like nothing more than to take out a minister of the gospel. We're to do all of these things as brothers and sisters and purity uh, before the Lord and to work together uh, and to love the Lord and to love each other. I think that's the greatest command, isn't it? 
that we're supposed to love the Lord and we're supposed to love people. And we're to love especially those in the house of the Lord. Honor widows who are really widows. What does that mean? What do you mean a widow who's really a widow? So uh, we're to treat those widows who are in need and who have no other means of supporting themselves. That's what Paul is talking about here to Timothy. In the uh, days of the New Testament, there was no social assistance given by the government. There was not food stamps, welfare, child care, any of those kinds of things. And so there was no way to rely on the government for help. Here Paul uh, is addressing with Timothy those who are the most vulnerable that were to help. Elderly widows who had no other means of supporting themselves. So if they had children, grown children especially, those who could work, or even grandchildren, then they were not considered real widows. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. In other words, uh, they might technically be a widow, but they might not qualify for the church helping out financially and supporting and assisting them. Uh, that's what Paul here is talking about with Timothy. We're to honor widows. What does it mean to honor? Treat with respect. To honor, to support. Here he's saying you're to honor them, you support them, you're to help sustain them. Those who are really widows were to receive honor. And in this particular instance, when it says to honor, it includes financial support. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Okay, Timothy, if you have elderly, widowed women in your church, then you need to find a means to help and to support them. That's what he's saying. There was no government system. We don't, as a church now, have to do quite as much uh, as they would have done then because there is assistance, but yet there's still a responsibility, right, for the church to honor widows. The Bible tells us to, to help widows and orphans in particular. So there's a responsibility uh, to treat them and with dignity and to honor them in a way uh, so that they at least have the minimum of shelter and clothing and food and all those kinds of things. Uh, imagine if you had no one, no family, no kids, uh, and this was not a society that women went out and worked, typically. It was usually the men. So Paul's telling Timothy, make sure that you go uh, and that you help these ladies who are really widows. Chapter uh, 5, verses 4 through 6. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Wow. Sometimes some are, of our kids need to understand that uh, there's a responsibility when you get older to help your parents. 
Let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow, that's what he's saying here. A, someone who's really a widow does not have children or grandchildren. Uh, and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Those who the church should legitimately help are those who have no family uh, that can assist them. If they do have family, it's the responsibility of the family to support them, first of all. Now, if there's a shortcoming there, Paul's not saying, Timothy, don't help them. If there's a, a shortfall of help, uh, but he's saying, first of all, it's the responsibility of the family. How, how many have heard this before? Uh, and imagine if families took care of their family. There wouldn't be quite the need on the government to do such a broad scope of helping people, uh, and it would be a, a better system. Family help them, family. Let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. Uh, so adult children have a responsibility to their parents and to their grandparents to help them out. He trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So, what I want us to see here is that the widows still have a job to do. Okay? It's not that they're sitting at home and doing nothing. Here, Paul is saying, because how many knows that that makes you feel useless and, and not worth anything? If you just feel like, well, everybody's helping me, but I'm not doing anything to help anybody else. And that's not what Paul's saying here. I want us to see that, that they're to continue in supplications and prayers night and day. So the widows have been given the job of praying for the church. I would say that's the truth, especially true for anyone of an elderly age that doesn't have a, I was going to say, a regular nine-to-five type job uh, that we should take it on ourselves to pray more for the church, right? And for the people of the church. Uh, and that's what we see Paul is saying uh, about the widows. But she who lives in, in pleasure. Now, Paul's not saying that a widow can't have money and can't live well and take care of herself well. She may have been left a lot of money by a husband who's passed away. But what he's saying here, uh, who lives in pleasure, is that there is a focus on worldly things and not the Lord. So that's what he's saying. And it's not that when you're a widow, you can't have any pleasure or any fun. What this is saying is that the focus cannot be upon just worldly pleasure and not anything else. The widows are still required to live a godly life. If she lives that way, it says that she is dead while she lives like that. She has a job to do as a widow, but yet there's also responsibility on the family first and then upon the church to help out. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, it's interesting that I'm on this subject because my wife and I were talking 
just the other day, and, I, and you're going to hear me focus on that uh, during offering time in the next few weeks, of what do we give, how do we give back as a church? You know, we're always saying, you know, we really want, we want to paint off the land, we want to do some things uh, to, to build and to do those kinds of things, but what are we doing to give back to the community? And I want you to know what we are. Uh, and that we're uh, supporting other ministries and doing all kinds of things because I think it's important that those who are faithful to give to the church and to the kingdom of God understand where your money is going and what it is supporting. It's important for the church to understand that it's not just give to the church, give to the church, and we receive it all and give nothing out. That's not what's happening. Uh, and Teresa and I were talking about that and she said, maybe you need to let people know that, right? That we're doing these things. And she's a wise lady. So I said, I think I will. In my position, there are many times that people come to the church and ask for assistance and ask for help. As a church, we're responsible to help those who are a part of this church and then to help as much as we can in the community for those who have, uh, I'm going to say, kind of like Paul did, legitimate, real needs. There are some folks who are partaking of the pleasures of alcohol and drugs and things like that, and it is not a legitimate reason for us to help and assist someone like that. Now, if they're sincere and they want to get better and they want to go get help, then we might be talking about something different. But if we're just going to hand them $10, $15 and all they're going to do is go get another beer or another uh, alcohol, then we have we don't necessarily have the responsibility to help in that manner. I think we all have to test that by the spirit that lives in us. I have helped some and some I've not helped. There have been people who came to the church uh, that I've helped and that I've not helped. Uh, and I think it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how else to, to answer that question, Danny, but uh, if we can find for sure that it's a legitimate need, then we help if we can. Uh, I, I also think uh, that we have to be wise stewards because it's the church's money, right? It's God's money. There, there are times when we've helped. Can I tell you that if somebody comes to me and says, I'm hungry, that's my soft spot. And I'm going to go get them some food. I might even take them to the grocery store. And I might uh, help them take it to their house or whatever. You know, even somebody outside of the church. I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm jaded, but there are a lot of people that come with the same story time and time and time again. And so you have to be wise. Uh, we have to be uh, soft and sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that God will lead us in these things. We're also to be compassionate to people. So there's a balance here. And Paul's not telling Timothy, don't help anybody. Paul's telling Timothy, Find out if it is a legitimate need. 
One of the things that we do here as a church, and a lot of churches do this now, is there's a, a, an organization in the community, and you may have heard it, called Bluegrass Community Action. But they do a great job of finding out the legitimate needs of people, interviewing them, things that, that a church just really doesn't have the capacity to do. Uh, and they can find out, well, if, do you need help with groceries? Do you need help with, um, you know, electric bills, light bills? Do you need help with a water bill? What, 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 how can we best serve and help you to get back on your feet, right? Uh, and so that organization does a fantastic, wonderful job in this community and as financial stewards of the church's money, Myself and the board, we give money to that program for them to be able to use because they have the ability to vet, I hate to use that word, but it, it is true, to find out if there is legitimate needs and to help those who really, really have a need in their life. I do think we need to be sensitive. I think we need to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to help us. And I think that we need to be wise and we need to be compassionate. All of those things uh, when helping people. All right, let's read verses 7 and 8. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. King James says he's worse than an infidel which is the same thing as an unbeliever. Here, Paul has instructed Timothy to teach all these things about how to treat people, how to honor people, how to respect people, how to financially support and help those legitimate needs. He said, Timothy, you have a responsibility as a pastor to teach these things. The leadership within a church also has a responsibility to teach these kinds of things, right? Not just Timothy as the pastor, but he is, that is his primary job, is teaching and preaching the word and prayer. Uh, we know that that's uh, what the main job of a pastor is. If anybody doesn't provide for his own, I tell you that it's God's way of provision is for family to support family. That is the best way. That is the honorable way. We honor our family and our parents or whoever it is that we're helping by supporting them financially. Who better knows if it's a legitimate need than the family? Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, if somebody doesn't provide for his own, doesn't support his own, there's a problem. And that problem shouldn't necessarily go to the church. We're talking about God's perfect way. This is what God told Paul to tell Timothy. If they don't do that, they've denied the faith and they're worse than an infidel. So there's a responsibility in particular for a man to provide for his family. That is God's way. I'm not saying that a woman shouldn't work. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, my wife works. My wife makes more than I do. That's a blessing. 
but it is in God's perfect system the man that has a responsibility to support his family. And that's God's perfect plan. How many knows that sometimes, sometimes there's more than one working because of legitimate needs, and sometimes uh, there's, there could be more than one working because of some desires that maybe we didn't have to have. That's the minimum required of a Christian man is to take care of his family. Can I tell you that Jesus did that? You're like, how did Jesus take care of his family? How did he take care of his mother and, and all of them and his family? He was a carpenter, yeah. He was a carpenter. But also, think about it. On the cross, here he's in agony, being crucified, nails in his hands and his feet, flesh is missing off of his back, and he looks at John, and he says, Behold, your mother. He was taking care of his mother because he knew he was going to be gone, right? And he told his mother, Behold, your son. Even Jesus understood that there was this basic minimum requirement that a man would take care of his family. Verse 9 and 10, 1 Timothy chapter 5, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. What does he mean by that? He's saying they don't really qualify to be a widow unless they're 60 years old or older. And he's going to specify as why that is the truth. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man. We'll talk about that. So well reported for good works if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, and if she has diligently followed every good work. So there's uh, about eight things there. If she meets those requirements, then she would qualify for financial help from the church. Let's look at some of those. Uh, under... If she is under 60, she's not to be taken into that, the number of those who are supporting. Why? Because she's probably able to work if she's under 60. That's, that's true. There you go. And she might get married again, right? Now, does that mean that you wouldn't support a widow who immediately lost her husband and she didn't have a job and she has to find the job and she has to maybe... She's going to get married, but she has to find a husband. That, you know, how, how would you handle that? But here Paul is saying that these things in particular, again, it's looking for a legitimate need. And in order for the church to be responsible to help a widow, she can't just be an ungodly widow. She needs to be a godly widow. That's what he's saying. He's saying this. In order for the church to be responsible. That doesn't mean that nobody could, should help her or could help her. But that for the church to be responsible, uh, he's saying that she needs to be a godly woman. Well reported for good works. A widow that's, that's over 60. Someone who's brought up children. Well, it could be her own. Or it could be stranger children. Not strange children, but children of other people who maybe 
they lost uh, their those children may have lost their mother or father. And she's supposed to wash the saints' feet. What does that mean? She's involved in the church. She's humble. She's she has a servant heart, right? Uh, all these things, when I say she's a godly woman, uh, that's what uh, I'm talking about. She has relieved the afflicted herself. If she's helped somebody else, then she deserves to be helped, right? Whenever it comes time. Uh, that's what Paul's saying here. And if she has diligently followed every good work. These are all those things that would qualify uh, this widow to be helped by the church. I mean, as the Lord wants us to help people. Uh, he wants us to help people, but he also, here Paul is giving wise counsel to Timothy uh, and a way to steward the finances of the church and the responsibilities of the church so that the church isn't overwhelmed. Now, some of this may seem like, wow, he put a lot of restrictions on who the church was to help. Why? The reason is that the primary job of the church is to spread the gospel. So if we're, if the church is, well, this doesn't sound very friendly of me, but if the church is bogged down in helping every person to the point that they can't spread the gospel, then there's a problem. Uh, and that's kind of what Paul is saying here to Timothy. Now, some of helping people is spreading the gospel. How many knows that sometimes we help people and it helps them to see the love of God and helps them to understand that God still does love them even though they're in a bad situation. But sometimes that's not the case. Uh, it doesn't change their heart. They don't see uh, the good in God and the good in people. So uh, it's a balance of how uh, we treat people and support and help people. All right, do you have any questions in front of you? Let's look at those. Question one, according to verse one, how was Timothy instructed to treat older men and younger men? Two things for older men. What was it? Don't rebuke them and treat them as a, as a father with respect. What about the younger men? We're to treat them as brothers. Well, that's the answer to question one. You pretty much could have written out verse one and you would have had the answer there. What does the word rebuke mean in this text? Because it's pretty harsh. To strike at. So like strike at, not with a fist, but with words. Be harsh. Don't be harsh with the older men. Uh, should a pastor ever rebuke someone? Yes. The answer is yes. With the right heart, with the right attitude, and we're to do it to help someone, not to just lash out at them. Uh, what does the word exhort mean? Encourage to do what needs to be done. Question five, according to verse two. Again, you could have almost written verse 2 out. How was Timothy instructed to treat older and younger women? 
mothers and as sisters. That's correct. How is the church to treat real widows? With honor. That's correct. Question seven. What does the word honor mean in this context? Treat with respect, but also to financially support. It includes the way we treat them, but also that we, that in treating them, we help them financially. So that's a part of what the word uh, honor there is, is speaking of. Question eight, according to verse four, what would disqualify a widow from, some, from financial support for the church? If she has what? Family, children, and grandchildren, specifically, it says there. Because later on, you're going to list some other things that would disqualify. Question nine, according to verse eight, what does this text call someone who does not provide for his own family? Worse than a infidel. Is, I love the way the King James says it, man. That's really powerful there. I wrap this up with a big question here. What eight things disqualify a widow from financial support? And they're all listed in verses 9 and 10. Number one, if she's under 60 years old. Number two, and I didn't talk about this a lot at all, actually, that she's not, not a wife of one man. Now, that does not mean that she couldn't have been divorced or that she couldn't have been widowed and remarried and her husband died again. What this means is that she's not married to two men at the same time. She's not the wife of, of one man that she hasn't been reported of doing good works, that she's not helped or brought up children, they don't have to be her own, that she's not lodged strangers. Hospitality in the kingdom of God is important. It really is. What does the Bible say? Sometimes we may help angels unaware. Sometimes lodging and helping strangers. She's not washed the saints' feet. And if she's not relieved the afflicted, nor not followed every good works, she's talking about not following the principles of the Bible. So all eight of those things uh, would disqualify a widow from receiving assistance from the church. And again, Paul's not trying to just say you don't need to help anybody. He's saying help those who truly are in need.